Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome to episode 417 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the Raven Awards coming up next weekend. Crazy to think that next Sunday will be our fifth annual Wednesday Raven Awards, our Oscars boycott, and that means that you have less than a week to get your votes in for the best and worst of films in 2022. And so far, we have had a pretty awesome turnout with over 251. Right, We're actually at 251 people who have voted so far, which last time I checked, I believe, is the largest response I've ever gotten for the uh, the voting for the Ravens. So thank you again to everyone who has already voted. For those who are waiting to see some films before casting their votes, just keep in mind you got less than a week. I'm going to cut it off Friday evening. So probably after Friday night tights this week, I will be cutting off the voting, cutting off the ballots so that way I can get things ready for Sunday's show, which will start around 7 p.m. I believe Eastern time. So we'll have right now the plan is to have a stream on Tuesday. Obviously Friday night tights over on Nerdrotic. Going to try and have a Saturday stream, uh, though, of course, I might take that one off since I am doing one on Sunday evening, but we'll see how things go. But before going into further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, love that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button if you're watching over there. Thank you again for watching and joining for wherever you are. Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. Thank you very much, good sir, for being there. And I do have all the chats lined up in my OBS doc so that I can see them as they come in. Also, we've got the YouTube live chat, by the way. Shout out to Orange Hat Reviews. Thank you again for stepping up to be a mod for the channel. Good sir. Let's see. We got Bryant Barth in the chat. What's going on? Hail to you. Derek McManus. What's going on? Gary Banjo says Worthington has been a very staunch supporter of the Raven Awards across multiple platforms. So Gary Banjo Sandwich, thank you very much for reminding everybody, reminding everybody to vote for the Ravens if you have not already. Master of Gaming, what is going on? Orange Hat Reviews. There he is. What's up? Lance Mola, hope you and the family are doing well. Absolutely, doing just fine. Says, you're planning on catching the AEW pay-per-view. Anything good of note wrestling-wise this week? Uh, probably not going to catch it live at the very least. I, I've, again, kind of fallen behind on wrestling a little bit. Uh, obviously, I've, I've been kind of disillusioned with the WWE for a very long time. For AEW, I really like it. It really comes down to just not having as much time to, to watch it. Or at the very least, the other things that I... <laughs> I am just enjoying a little bit more right now. Uh, obviously, of course, as you all know, uh, you know, family comes first before anything else. But then in my free time, I've found myself, especially television-wise, watching a lot of Yellowstone. I've actually caught up. I'm now in season four of Yellowstone. Yellowstone, and despite my issues with the fact that they, you know, from time to time, especially in the earlier seasons are kind of overusing, over-sexualizing things, as most of these, you know, shows behind paywalls tend to do. I mean, HBO Max, or rather HBO, when it was just HBO, kind of revolutionized that back in the day, and not in a good way. I think it's it's been kind of bad for shows in the long run, because many writers have thought that they've needed and that they've relied upon these kinds of tropes and these kinds of things uh, in order to get them done, and I just don't understand it. It just, again, is, is really sad, really disgusting, uh, what they do. But... Luckily, the story is actually a pretty good one, and the characters are very well developed, and I've been really enjoying the overall uh, feel of the show, so that's why I've been watching now going into season four, and I know that the most recent season is, is season five, I believe, and so almost caught up with that show completely at this point, point. and then I've also been still playing a lot of Hogwarts Legacy, as that is a very, very fun game. Uh, a lot of side quests, a lot of things to do in the storyline. I've gotten to the point where I finished all four of the main missions. And so now I'm checking out the, what's if you've played the game, you know, there are these repositories of magic, right? And so I've, I've gotten to the point where uh, Ragrock has, uh, Ranrock has, I forget his full name. I think it's Ranrock, uh, who's a goblin. And he has uh, basically, you know, just uh, literally, uh, last time I played the game, he just... Uh, drilled his way into this depository. So if anyone's been playing the game or been watching the gameplay for it, you know that's where I am. And I think it's only about halfway through old, you know, overall story, I think. But of course we will we will see. It's very interesting. Very interesting. And I like the dynamics between the different characters and the choices that you get to make within the game itself. 
and the fact that those choices have somewhat of an impact. I haven't delved too far into how much the choices you make and how much the answers that you give to certain questions impact the game because I don't want too many things spoiled. Um, But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So if you've been kind of holding back on getting the game or you've been thinking about it, waiting for it to come on PS4, or maybe if you want to wait even later on because it's eventually going to come out over the summer on Switch, I can say that I think it's a it's a pretty good game, well worth the time. And I think the best part about it is the fact that a lot of these games just cost so much these days. They're so expensive, but you get so much story. I mean, we're talking about just countless hours of story so if you think about it as you, and this is kind of what modern gaming is, and again, I'm not much of a gamer, so probably this is you know no news to anybody who's been playing games for a long time, you would probably recognize and know that you are buying really like several seasons basically of a show ultimately when you get these games in addition to the gameplay itself. So anyway, that's where I have been. Indeed, Orange Chat, thanks for letting everyone know. Yeah, I don't need to spam the chat. Just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. No matter where you're watching, whether you're on YouTube, Odyssey, or Rumble, uh, just put at Odin, and I will get to it, and I will be able to pull it up on screen if you are on YouTube. Of course, if you are a YouTube member, you can just chat, but I do request, if you can, uh, put at Odin. It definitely helps me be able to decipher through the various chats. Alex Moore, what's going on? Welcome to the chat. Sicer Neon's in the chat. What's going on? JacobX76, who is a member. Hail to you, JKD Buck. I appreciate you being here. Killy Chow in the chat. Thanks for stopping by the Salty Saturday stream earlier today over on the Salty Nerd Podcast channel. Shout out to them. It's always fun to go over there and do those shows. All right, let's see. Alex McCarthy, what's going on? Good, sir. Says, how do you... How's it going? How's Thor? Baby Thor's doing fine. Positive thing about these headaches is not having to see any bad movies. Uh, yes, but I'm sorry to hear that you're still having these headaches, man. I, I hope that you feel better, and I hope that you improve quickly, man. Because uh, if, if no one... I mean, if, if you're not watching the bad movies and telling them how good, telling us how good they are so that we can know that they're bad, I mean... Who else is there? <laughs> but seriously, Alex, I hope that you start feeling better, man. Kimberly G. Howdy, Odin. Mods and chat. What's going on, Kimberly G? Thanks for stopping by again. Being a member here on the channel. Let's see. Joey Horn, who is a member, says, What's up, Odin? Happy Ember, Ember Saturday. Absolutely. Blessed Ember Tide. Blessed Ember Saturday to everyone out there who celebrates the traditional calendar in the Catholic Church. It is also a first Saturday of the month as well. So we have the first Friday, first Saturday. It's kind of amazing how the first Saturday, first Sunday, first Friday, first Saturday ended up lining up with not only the tail end of the first week of Lent, the first full week of Lent, and then also to the Ember Tide for the season as well. Um, it's just, again, it's a beautiful thing. It's just, you look at the liturgical traditions that have been lost, and it's just really sad. It really is sad. Kili Chao, what's going on? Welcome. Again, thank you for being here. Uh, wife is doing well. Cacao and Cookies Minion, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Jean Hu, what's going on? The Morak, what's going on? Welcome back. JKD Buck says, it's a great day. Keely Chow says, I can't wait for both Raven Awards and World Class BS's Oscars Drunk Watch Street. Yeah, yeah, I know that a lot of people watch that one as well. Um, but to me, it's just, it's hard to even watch and, and even really just care about the things going on at the Oscars. Because uh, many times they become predictable and the movies that they are promoting just you think about it and it just doesn't make really any sense or it makes too much sense because of just how obscure they are. I mean, look at the vast majority of the films that are nominated for best picture and you think to yourself, okay, yeah, vast majority of people didn't see any of these movies. I mean, yeah, they, they throw in films like Top Gun Maverick and Avatar. One of them is a good film. The other one's not, but still both of them are big, you know, box office draws and Lord knows, probably a part of the reason as to why a lot of the voters went that way is because they thought, oh, maybe this will get us more attention. But as has been shown in the past, it doesn't. People do not really care. The Oscars have lost any sense of meaning whatsoever, which is one of the many reasons why I started doing the Raven Awards, because it's like, hey, if we're just going to be giving out awards that don't really matter, hey, might as well have fun while we're doing it, right? And might as well do it ourselves. Ergo, Raven Awards. Which are a lot more fun, I would argue. Great Wuda, what's going on? Welcome back. Orange Iron Reviews, who has been a member for 32 months. Dude, thank you so much for being a member for 32 months. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
He says, quote, the Ravens, vote some more. LOL for the Raven Awards. Well, thank you very much. That's a good one, man. Thank you again. Let's see. Alex McCarthy says, Yellowstone is in my top five favorite shows. Love everything Taylor Sheridan does. Sheridan, he, he is a very talented filmmaker and a very talented writer. Uh, you know, for those that don't know his work other than Yellowstone, he got his start, at least in, in, in my world, he got my attention when he did the film Sicario, um, which was just phenomenal. I mean, did such a great job writing that, worked with Denis Villeneuve, who directed it, who did a flawless job directing it, went on to write this, uh, the sequel to Sicario, which was also pretty good, though it was, I think, missing a bit of, you know, key direct directorial flair that is much more specific to the work. <laughs> of Denis Villeneuve than to the director that ended up taking on the sequel. But I understand, right? He's the kind of director that really wouldn't, you know, be onto that kind of thing. Um, at least at that time in his career. Now he's, of course, doing Dune as a whole other thing. But then he's also done films like Wind River, which he actually directed, which was phenomenal. And then not long after, I feel, around the same time, is when he started to get into writing for television and, and got, you know, Yellowstone on the map and really has, you know, really built an entire universe around this one show going back. You know, now you have 1883 and what, 1923? Both are prequels to the show. And then one's, I guess, a sequel to a prequel, which is kind of amazing. It really is amazing what he has been able to do. Ryan Barth, have you seen On the Waterfront? Of course, absolutely. On the Waterfront is one of my favorite films of all time. I've used it on a couple of occasions, actually, in my theology classes because there is a lot to be said about faith, right? You, you you go through tragedy in life, and sometimes your faith can be shaken. So there's questions about that. There's also questions, of course, about morality, doing the right thing. You know, if you were put in a similar position, would you do the right thing, or would you um, you know do something that some of the other characters do in the film instead? There's a lot of great commentary on even the church, right? Because one of the key characters is actually a, a Catholic priest, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Rob D says, Hello, Odin. Decided to give Banshees of Anishirin a watch. Did not care for it. Movie didn't keep my attention. Ending was very abrupt, and the quality of acting in the film doesn't sell to me. Ah, I think the I think the acting is the best part. You know, I, I've, I've admitted this and talked about this previously, but the first time I saw the film, I had a similar opinion. I, I liked everything that I had saw, but it also put me to sleep because of how slow it was. But then I looked back and I said, well... Let's be fair, I, I did watch it later, and usually when I go to see slower films when they're later, I, I tend to fall asleep. But I remember liking a lot of what I had watched. Very different experience than the recent Creed movie, where that film put me to sleep as well. You know, I was only, you know, going in and out of consciousness for the middle part of it, but I was awake for most of it, and everything that I was awake for, I didn't like. So, <laughs> very different scenario there. But Adventure of Nishiran is definitely a film that is not going to be for everybody. And I will admit that straight up because it is a slow burn. And I think that one of the issues that some people might have is if you go into it expecting to have a dark comedy like you got with In Bruges, you're going to be disappointed because it's really a just it's a dark drama with some comedic elements. And so I think also going in that second time, knowing the kind of film that it was also helped me appreciate just how rich the story actually was. I mean, you have this friendship falling apart with the backdrop of the Irish Civil War, you know, the cannons in the background, the, the gunfire in the background, and I thought it was very brilliantly done. And then you, you you think back to a lot of fights and a lot of wars, and you ask the simple question, you know, what was it all for? And I really feel like, honestly, we could probably, in many situations, boil it down to there wasn't necessarily a good reason. You know, in the film, it's, you know, I don't like you anymore. I want to do more things with my life and you're, you're ruining it. And then if you try to continue to be my friend, if you try to continue to be in my life, you know, there's going to be hell to pay. And I don't know. I just, I like that dynamic a lot. And I just like how rich the story is as well. I've also heard some people mention that apparently there's also some type of, you know, relevancy as well to the deadly sins in some context. I didn't really see that as much, um, but I would love to look further into that. I think that was the salt and Earth podcast that may have done that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Steve, 89AK, thank you very much for becoming a member on the channel at the Citizen of Asgardian level. Appreciate it. Asgardian time to say, hopefully, I'll know something about my headaches this week. Hopefully, and hopefully the news is good. Jace, the pop culture vandal, what is going on? Thank you very much. The Morak, the only award I want to know the result of is song. RRR's not to, not to, should win. 
That's just the thing, though, is that what if it does win? What does that actually mean? You got a Oscars statue? I mean, again, back in the day, that may have meant something. But remember that that best song category has been such a joke for so many years. Think about how many songs have been nominated simply because they're in the credits for a movie. Like, I understand having that category if you're going to try to award the songs that are within the film itself that are, you know, relevant to the story. And I think RR is a great example of it properly being done. But I do think that the vast majority of years just don't see that. Excuse me. Still recovering a little bit with my voice, post-nasal drip and talking don't tend to go very well together. So if I drink a lot of water, that's the reason why. But honestly, think about it, right? RRR, Natsu Natsu, that's an example of what should be nominated for a movie, what should get nominated for best song. But most of the time, it's it's a lot of crap, and also, most of the time, it tends to be things that just don't matter. And so, even though I like films like Everything Everywhere All at Once, like Top Gun Maverick, I like RRR as well. The fact remains, though, all of those Oscars that they might win just don't mean what it used to mean. Right? It used to be important. It used to be relevant to get an Oscar. But think about it. I mean... A film called Moonlight won an Oscar for Best Picture not too many years ago. And many of you might not even remember that or even think, wait, what the hell is that? I've never even heard of that before. And you would be correct in that assumption because guess what? No one saw it. After it won, most people still haven't seen it. And it was still not a great film. It was a still vastly overrated film that won simply because of the subject matter of its story. More people remember the fact that the wrong movie was announced as the winner, more so than the movie itself. And I think that speaks volumes as to how irrelevant the Oscars have been for so long. You know, you kind of have to go back to, what, the early, mid-2000s, maybe? When things kind of still matter? But even then, you had films like Crash win Best Picture, which was an abysmal movie in so many regards. So that's the reason why I thought to myself, you know, you know, five years ago, why not create an alternative space for us to be able to celebrate films that we thoroughly enjoyed, to be able to roast the films that were really bad? Because even the Razzies, I mean, I remember when we were first making these categories, the Razzies really hadn't gone in a complete political direction yet. But obviously with, with 2016, that of course had a huge impact on a lot of these things because 2016 is when people just lost their minds for obvious reasons, orange man bad. And so when even the Razzies, which are meant to be a fun time when you're roasting films, becomes just a political stump speech for you know multiple hours on end. So that's why I like what we were able to do five years ago when these categories were established. I mean, the categories that are still here today have been around for so long. I'll go ahead and pull those up on the screen too. Again, by the way, the 251 people who have voted, thank you. But I mean, best movie of the year, obviously that's been around from the very beginning. The Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson award for excellence of crap world building. I love that title. And obviously it's definitely dated because you think back to 2017. One second. Excuse me again. But I think that it still very much holds true because of the crap that was was made, right? Because of the crap that was made in The Last Jedi. I think it still absolutely holds up. Lifetime Achievement Award, right? People who are overlooked, right? Not just people who are getting an Oscar because they never won one legitimately before. Awarding the lowest budget film, right, as the best world, you know, I think that that's also great. And then going after and being critical of the fact that we're in the age of the remake and the reboot. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Underrated and overrated films. The most critically acclaimed piece of garbage film. Not only is it overrated, it's also a terrible movie. 
shill of the year. Of course, this one's fun this year because everyone's kind of gunning after Jeremy of Geeks and Gamers. And Jeremy Geeks and Gamers is also very excited. He's like, you better be voting for me. So I'll have to look and see what the results are. And if uh, if an early call has to be made to try and see if we can get a, a response. But yeah, I love these. I love these categories. Again, most of them have not changed at all. I think that the only ones that have really gone through any major changes have been the best fight scene. I think that we uh, adapted it to be not just fight scene, but also action sequence. We also changed. Oh, what was it? Ah, the best one-liner. So it used to be just be best one-liner, but then we adapted it, I think, the next year or two years later to also include other quotes. Because sometimes it's hard to think about one-liners, but we remember there are, there are really good quotes that exist too. So I love these categories because it shows and focuses on truly some of the best and worst things of, of any movie. And it allows us also to have so much fun in the process. So I'm so excited. Low Watermark, while I was talking there, thank you very much for the $50 donation via Streamlabs. Thank you again for circumventing YouTube. YouTube ain't getting a dollar of that. Simply says, your message here. So no message from Low Watermark, but thank you very much for the support. Always supporting. I always appreciate it, man. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment at Odin. Let's see. Tim and M says, didn't Sheridan write slash direct Hell or High Water 2? Uh, yeah, he wrote that one as well. He may have directed it too. I can't remember the director. Uh, I think that might have been... Wind River was the first film he ever directed and wrote. And I want to think... I think Hell or High Water, he also wrote and directed. It was like the next year. And this guy is able to put out so much. I mean, he kind of reminds me in a certain light... Very different styles, very different genres, but he kind of reminds me of a of a Woody Allen. You know, Woody Woody Allen was notorious for putting out one film every year for like for decades. Taylor Sheridan has kind of done that in a lot of ways too. I mean, I think Sicario was 2015. I think Hell or High Water was 2016. Um, or no, it was a uh, Wind River. I think was 2015. 2016 one it was around that time but they were only like a year or so apart from each other and then you look at all the films that he wrote and they were very quickly in succession with one another and then you look and see what he did with television and now he's got again three different worlds that are all a part of the same universe but at different times in history it's just amazing it's just phenomenal it really is impressive Alice McCarthy says 1883 and 1923 are both great 1923 is a little better, and Harrison Ford actually puts effort in. Well, it's very nice to know that he actually puts some effort in because he's kind of been phoning it in for most of the films that he has done more recently. Most of the any many, any of the work he's done recently. I don't know. I feel like 1883 might be one that I might be more intrigued by because of that time in history. I mean, 1923 also I'm sure is interesting too. But one of the things that I'm loving about Yellowstone is that. You know, it's taking place in modern times, but, and they even like reference this in the show. It There's just so many things that happen. There's just so many things that are going on that you would think are from another era, right? This almost type of self-governance and, you know, basically this mafia-esque crime family in a certain respect, but with cowboys. It's very, very compelling. It's very fun to watch. General Meister says, speaking of Creed, what's your favorite Rocky movie? I have a soft spot for three personally. I love four. Um, yeah, because four is the one with, with Drago. Drago! That one's a lot of fun. My favorite of all time is definitely the original. I think the original just has a very special place in my heart. But one that I think is also up there, and it's kind of a, a wild card slash underrated film in the franchise is Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa is great. I think that's technically the the seventh film. No, the sixth film. But Rocky Balboa is solid. It's just a very well-written, 
well-directed story, and it's just solid. You know, it's it's a much older Rocky getting challenged by a younger guy, and it's it's I think just done in a way where it it pushes the bounds right. It definitely pushes the bounds of of reality where you're like, would this really happen? But based on what you see and, and how the story is is portrayed, it's like, no, actually, the way the story plays out, you're like, I'm buying into what I'm seeing right now. And they're also self-aware, too. It's been a while since I've seen Rocky Balboa, but I think I remember at one point you have the coach saying, you know, all these things are shot. You don't have speed anymore. So all we can do is get you at raw power. He's like, so it's like, you don't have any of these things that you used to have anymore. So let's use what you do have and... I, again, I thought that it was very interesting. So Rocky Balboa is actually a very well done Rocky film. But yeah, I think that, you know, original Rocky is definitely up there. Rocky four, of course, is great. And then uh, Rocky Balboa is great as well. Uh, I do like Rocky two and three. I think I like Rocky two a little bit more than Rocky three, personally. Um, and then Rocky five, of course, I think is everyone's least favorite. It just, to me isn't the worst except for I mean it's bad but <laughs> I think that the worst part about it is the ending uh, like the end fight just being a street fight and that's how it ends it's just it's the most it seems to be one of the most unrocky like movies and the most unrocky ending in a lot of ways if that makes sense Laura says I just rewatched everything everywhere all at once because I also have an issue with slow moving movies it was hard to get through it again Probably not a wise idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a film that I need to rewatch. You know, I obviously, you know, bought a fiscal media because I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I, I love the theatrical experience, but I'll have to check that out. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Because rewatchability is also a very important factor for sure. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, Laura says, I saw Moonlight and I was shocked that it was considered Oscar worthy. Yeah, I mean, I was both shocked and not. Like when it got nominated, I was like, wait, really? this movie but then also i'm like oh that's right you look at the story you pay attention to the, to the narrative it's similar to like the film i call you by your name getting oscar contention too right because that was also a film that when you looked at it was not only just not very good it like it wasn't it wasn't revolutionary as far as filmmaking but it was also downright disturbing it was downright disturbing the relationship that was being portrayed on screen you're like this is just uncomfortable and I'm sure that's what they were going for. But it's like, there are things that are uncomfortable that are trying to like teach you something. And then there are things like this that are not trying to teach you something, but they're trying to glorify something uncomfortable. And that's not a good thing. You know, the relationship that they portrayed on screen. And apparently, I think the book, it was even worse. Like the age discrepancy was actually even more disturbing. So, but you look to that and you look at what kind of films they're promoting and what kind of films they like to push. And that's why it always drives me nuts. Like this year, you know, I was seeing all the news headlines and everyone was like, I can't believe that. Was it Sarah Polly who did Women Talking? And I mean, come on. The movie's called Women Talking. And they were like, I can't believe that, you know, how, you know, non-diverse this, this uh, category is. And then I'm looking at some of the names of these people and I'm looking at some of the directors and I'm like, there's actually some diversity here. I don't know why you're choosing to ignore it. Is it simply because there's not a female there? Because if you keep in mind how many directors there are in Hollywood who are directing films, and if you were to break down the number of directors, like high-profile directors, I mean, the percentage difference between men and women is night and day. And you can try and bring up points saying, well, is that fair? And you know, blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't mean that you just then say, well, anytime a woman doesn't get nominated, it means that it's sexist. It's like, well, no, no, hold on. Hold the phone. You have a very small pool of directors already to, to consider. Also, you seem to be forgetting about previous years where there has definitely been probably overrepresentation in a certain respect. It's ridiculous. You know, same thing happens in the acting categories too, right? And what what drives you nuts is that you do look at these films that are getting attention when they probably shouldn't. And you're like, oh, I can see what you're trying to do here. And it's still never enough. It's never enough. Like the song from Greatest Showman. Never enough. Never, never, never enough. 
Can't really sing it today. <laughs> but you're welcome for that. Great. That, talk about a fun movie, by the way. Completely unrealistic historically, but you know what? Fun movie. Great, great score. By the same people that did... Can't believe the same people that wrote the music for Greatest Showman, which has a great score, also did La La Land, which has a terrible score. I know I've brought that up before. Orange Hat says, some small Chris Rock humor. He said he watched Will Smith's Emancipation just to see him get wet. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard about the new Netflix special. I haven't watched it yet because Chris Rock is one of those guys that I've seen some of his stuff and enjoyed it. And then he also, I, th I feel like he got a little, you know, political. A little too much of the of TDS, but who knows? A lot of people are waking up to it. I mean, I know there's a clip. I haven't watched the full-length clip yet, but I know there's a clip going around from, was it Real Time with Bill Maher? And it's uh, some MSNBC host up there with Russell Brand, and apparently, like, he like curses at Russell Brand and then Russell Brand destroys him. So like you look at like Bill Maher, like Bill Maher is someone who is, has been very despicable for a lot of his career, especially, you know, last several years. And all of a sudden it's like within the last year or two, he's finally started to wake up to how much craziness has been going on. I saw a list of uh, pictures here and I want to leave some comments on some of them. So, Moonlight, The Artist, Nomadland, Spotlight are all forgettable. The best, best picture winners in the past couple decades, Return of the King, and No Country for Old Men. See, I would disagree. I think No Country for Old Men should be in that list. I found that film incredibly boring. I think Javier Bardem is phenomenal in the film, but I think the movie is incredibly boring. I actually liked The Artist. I actually appreciated what it did. And then I also liked Nomadland, too. So... Yeah, I mean, if I went down the list, I'm sure I could probably find other films that I would also include. But it hasn't been good. It has not been good. Uh, Tina B, what's going on, Tina B? Welcome to the chat. I saw you in the live chat. Thank you again for being here. Hope that you are doing okay. Super Anime Gamer, what's going on? Saying, hey, what is up, my dude? What's going on, Super? Thank you very much for being here. All righty, let's see. And of course, please know that all of us are still praying for you as you continue to recover. Seems like your eyesight's getting better every day, at least from where we're standing. So hopefully that is indeed true. Slicer tagged to say, I actually saw Balboa before any of the other films. My life is weird like that. I still remember Mason the Line Dixon. Ha <laughs> ha, nice. Yeah, Rocky Balboa is pretty solid. Orange Hat says, fun fact, Rocky Balboa, Rocky Balboa used actual sounds in the movie for the fights and training in order to give the movie more authenticity. That movie was truly great. Let's build us some hurtin' bombs. Yes, yes. That is such a great line. And I, I had forgotten that they had done that. Yeah, I mean, that's why the fight scenes look so good. And, and when you remember just how old he was, I mean, think about how old Stallone is now. He was old when that movie was made. And it, it was great. And I think that probably is my favorite acting performance from the character of Rocky is in Rocky Balboa. It's really solid. If you've never seen it before, it's actually really good. It's very underrated. Master Game says, Glad to see your voice getting better. Will you ever see Operation Fortune in Plane? Also can't wait for March 13th when the Ravens come out. Absolutely. Very excited for the Ravens. Um, I don't plan on seeing Plane. It just doesn't seem like a film that... It doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. However, Operation Fortune... I love Guy Ritchie. Unfortunately, I would have seen that Thursday. I would not have seen Creed 3. The issue was that Creed 3 took up all of the 7 p.m. time slots. And Operation Fortune had 6 p.m., which I couldn't do because of family. And then like 9 p.m., which I couldn't do because I just can't do that. Especially during a school night. So, I, I luckily, my spring break from school is coming up. Um, not this week, but next week. So... My hope is that I'll be able to to catch up on some things. Obviously, spring break is also usually supposed to be a break, but then it's also usually a time when I have to, uh, you know, do stuff with family. Not like it's a burden or anything, but you know, obviously, it's like ah, teachers are working so so much. You know, we obviously get summer, and summer's great, and summer's like oh yeah, we get all this free time. But then when we're working, it's like we're working, 
and there, there's very little free time at all. And that's why I don't take off work for the meetups and the hangouts because it's like, I already get a whole summer off. I get a full two months where I can do this stuff. I just, it feels wrong for me to take time off to do something. Like that. Also, it's just, it's just not right for me to do that. So, but anyway, with that being said, I'm hoping Operation Fortune is still playing and hopefully I can either see it uh, before then, but if not, hopefully I can actually go to see that, uh, you know, go to see that as well. Because, yeah, it's it definitely, I'm not as excited for that one as I am The Covenant. You know, The Covenant is the Guy Ritchie film that I knew was coming out. And it was in my in my most anticipated film list. But uh, Operation Fortune looks fun. Jacques Le Suave over on Odyssey. What's going on, brother? Says, if they want more female representation in the directing category, they should just hire the Wachowskis for more movies. They'll definitely win some Oscars sponsored by Hershey. I see what you did there, Jacques Le Suave, And it's a fair point. <laughs> Seriously. You know? And it's honestly, it's amazing that they will... Obviously, they'll say that part out loud, right? They'll say, you know, they're women. But I would not be surprised if that were to happen. Like, if the Wachowskis were to somehow make a movie that got enough attention to become an Oscar contender, and they actually won, it would not surprise me if that's when you started to hear people say things out loud. Say the quiet part out loud. Now, I think... That's never going to happen because I just don't think that they are able to produce the quality and caliber of film that would ever get that kind of attention. But I also think that if and when that day would ever happen, my hope and prayer is that that part of the culture war is is over and done with. It's honestly amazing to me how many people have just been brainwashed into buying into that nonsense. You know, despite what whatever your thoughts are on the Daily Wire and Lord knows I've got some mixed emotions about them. But I think Jeremy Boring coming out and and doing the the he him and she her chocolate bars selling over two hundred thousand units in just like a few days that's that's amazing <laughs> that's one it's hilarious and two it's you know it's it's well done. Abomination over on Oz he says just watch the nine p.m. showing and do the classic teacher thing where you play an educational video and recline in your chair. With sunglasses on. See, I, I don't do that. That's that's not me. Also, apparently there were some drop frames. There was a, a connection issue or something. Hopefully we're still we're still live and everything's going okay. But that's not who I am. That's that's not the kind of person that I am. I am that's the kind of teacher I, I never ever want to be. I mean, I've only I've slept in one time in my entire teaching career. And it was one of the worst experiences of my life, not because of getting in trouble, but because of how bad I felt because it was completely unplanned and it was, you know, sleeping through my alarm, basically waking up to a bunch of, uh, you know, unread messages and uh, voicemails. And it's like, oh, my goodness. So that's just never been who I who I've ever been. I, you know, I don't. And that might be why, you know. And this, this comes with teaching, you know, any teacher, right? You get love, you get hate, you get, meh. But I'm never the teacher that gives a free day. Because also, I'm a very practical person. I work on a rotation. So I can't just one day say, oh, we're not going to do anything. Because then, guess what? I have to do it two days in a row. Because I have got a rotation of classes. But anyway... But the other issue, too, is that I would probably fall asleep, not because the film is bad, but because I get sleepy around that time. Uh, Tina says, talk to y'all later. Again, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. You're great. Rocky, uh, sorry, Laura says, by the way, Laura, the modern major general. Thanks for being here. Thank you also for showing up earlier on the Salty Nerd podcast stream. Says, Rocky Balboa has the best speech. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Oh, yeah. The the the, the conversation between him and his grown-up son. Oh, yeah. I love that scene. Solid. Justin on the red shirt. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Oscar Grady says, Rocky Balboa also has one of the most inspirational quotes. Ain't about how you can hit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, Balboa has a great, 
great uh, script. The dialogue in that film is just phenomenal. Laura says, anyone who is stupid enough to challenge to, to challenge a stand-up comedian to an argument is going to get verbally destroyed. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. Not 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 even just you know. I think this is about the Bill Maher thing. It's not even just that, but also think about what Russell Brand does now, really, for a living. You know, his his new career on YouTube. He does a lot of research and a lot of reading. So you have one person, and that's a sad thing too, and that's a sad state of modern media, right? You have an MSNBC person who you think, oh, they're a news person, they should be informed. And I, I guarantee you, even without watching it, I would not be surprised if Russell Brand ran circles around him with just facts and information and data. Because a lot of these people in the media just don't even research anything anymore. Cthulhu says, a few minutes behind, but so sad that the line from Top Gun wasn't nominated. Tom Cruise, where am I? Child Earth. Yeah, I mean, it still, Top Gun did get a couple of nominations. You know, there is that that line from the trailer, maybe so, to, you know, maybe so, sir, but not today. Right, the end is inevitable, America. Your kind is headed for extinction. And then also, talk to me, Goose. Very powerful line. Very, very powerful line. So, yeah, there's some pretty good ones. But honestly, the one that I love that probably isn't going to get a lot of support because it's in a film that not a lot of people have seen. And it is not spoken in English. And it's in the film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is the one. So even though you have broken my heart yet again, I wanted to say in another life, I would really um, I would really like doing laundry and taxes with you. And I know it seems kind of weird, but when you especially look at the scene and you look at the sequence, you're like, it's such a heartbreaking line. And, okay, oh, again, I always mess up his name. I need to see it in front of me. Not that I'm going to pronounce it correctly, but Kehu uh, Juan. Kehu Juan, uh, from everything all at once, he does such a brilliant job in his delivery. I mean, that dude is great. That That guy deserves so much more love and support. Great Wood says, I'm going to watch Creed 3 and Operation Fortune this Tuesday. You can skip Creed 3, man. Seriously. Save save yourself some time and money. And uh, just just watch Operation Fortune instead. <laughs> Based on what I'm hearing. Let's see. Laura says, even with a large, interesting cast, Josh Harnett stole the show in Operation Fortune. Really? Interesting. Not who I would expect to steal the show in, in any movie. But I guess Guy Ritchie can have that impact. He is really a good actor's director. I mean, think back to The Gentleman. You know, if we're talking about like old school Oscar performance, I think that the character played in The Gentleman by, uh, oh man, I'm blanking. Let me go ahead and look that up. And I know a lot of y'all will be posting in the chat, but by the time you actually get to it, I'm not going to have read it. But the character played by Hugh Grant in the film is so good. If you've never seen The Gentleman, watch it, if for nothing else, than Hugh Grant's performance. It is so, so good. And if we're talking about what should have gotten some Oscar contention, The Gentleman absolutely should have gotten it. By the way, if you have not yet voted in this year's Wednesday Raven Awards, I'll go ahead and post the link to it again. Fill out the form. You got less than a week before the show, which is going to be not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Midnight Eye tried to say, would you consider putting the smaller movies you recommend, like in Bruges, in a video all by itself? I remember you recommending a small budget superhero, but can't remember its name. A small budget superhero. Yeah, I'm trying to think about which film you're talking about as well. Because there is one film that had a smaller budget, but it was more of a horror film than it was a superhero film because it's actually more of like a supervillain. It's the... Uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name. It's the film where it's basically asking the question of what would happen if Superman went bad? I thought that one was pretty good. J.S. Pena, what's going on? Master of Gaming, what are your thoughts on Green Book? I actually thought Green Book was pretty good. 
Now, it's not memorable. It's not a film that's re- very rewatchable. But it is a film that I think is pretty fun. I, I think that the performances in that especially are really good. So I, I like Green Book. Jerry Miskowski says, Creed 3 wasn't as knockout film for you. It wasn't a knockout. It was not a good film. It was just not a good film. The, the pacing of the film was so atrocious. It felt like you were watching a three-hour film because there are so many segments that are just long, drawn out, not even good or not even compelling conversations between characters. And if Stallone had written the script or been a part of the process, maybe those would have been good. You know, I like longer films and I like films with lots of dialogue when it's good. But when it's like, I'm sitting there looking at my watch like, is this scene still seriously going on? Wait, what did they just talk about? Oh, I don't care about that. That would, Im- that would imply and require me to care about the relationship that I'm seeing on screen right now. And it just fails in execution of all the things it f- tries to do. And then it fails in the pacing. And that makes for an incredibly boring experience. When a boxing movie is boring... That tells you all you need to know. Forever Sci-Fi, hey all, just get my power back. Sorry you lost your power, dude. Hope you're doing okay. Hamilton Burger. Chronicle, maybe. Ah, yes, Chronicle. That's the one. Yes. Brightburn, thank you, Hamilton Burger. Yeah, Brightburn, that's the horror one. And I did like that one. But I think Chronicle is the one that he was thinking of. Yeah, because Chronicle is another superhero film. And that one is really good. That was back when they were still doing the found footage genre. And it's actually one of the better ones. It is pretty fantastic. Dan Crane, what's going on? Says, hail Odin, day 11 of Lent. Good to be here. Hail to you and absolutely blessed Lent. Absolutely. Hope everyone's Lent's going well. Whatever it is that you have taken on or given up. Remember that Lent's not just about giving up chocolate. It's about taking on penitential practices. It's about uh, doing extra things. It's also about giving up the things that... We should already be given up and also making sacrifices. And uh, yeah, so far it's been interesting. So far it's, it's been very interesting. Very fruitful though. Um, you know, I won't go into too much detail with it. And I know that last night, for some reason, the guys on Friday Night Tice decided to like go after me for it because <laughs> I gave very little detail with it. But I am, you know, doing something a little different for this Lent for the first time ever with Basically, with fasting and meat. And I'll let you kind of maybe fill in the blanks. And I remember the first two days were the toughest. Because brain fog set in. uh, And as a teacher, brain fog is just like, oh, no. But luckily, it is something that is is temporary. Your body gets used to the new way and new routine of what it is you're eating and where it is you're eating. As long as you're still getting those basic nutrients in. Which, don't worry. (laughs) I'm still getting in and... I, I have my wife to care for me, especially when it comes to that. And she has been so incredibly helpful in ensuring that I get, you know, proteins and all these other things that I, you know, desperately need in, in just my diet in general. But it's just been a very fruitful experience because it's allowed me to realize just how, especially with snacking, like I'll, I'll just mention that, just how much snacking I used to do. So I'm I'm hoping and praying for the grace through the through the season of Lent to kind of keep on to that because it can be very easy once you're finished with Lent to you know pick up those practices that you gave up. But yeah, snacking was something that again I I enjoy a snack, and I'm not saying you know snacking is obviously not evil, but yeah, it's been very good though. It's been very good. So I hope all, all y'all's Lents have been great too. All right. Let's go ahead and talk some box office, though, as uh, I do want to talk about this comparison here because <laughs> Ant-Man, yeah, Ant-Man has dropped off, like, to an insane degree. So, as you can see, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, Mania, remember, everyone was going crazy in the media, biggest box office of the franchise. Well, right now, the film is looking to be the lowest grossing film of the franchise, now, someone mentioned in the chat earlier today on the Salt Air podcast 
about comparing it to a film like Eternals. And I thought to myself, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because the film is easily going to pass up $400 million. And their main point was trying to point it more so to like the domestic numbers. And even that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I was like, well, that doesn't make sense either. Because I mean, you look at this number, Eternals just made 164 domestic. Ant-Man has already made 177. But then I looked at the daily numbers and I thought to myself, okay, I can see where there are actual comparisons to be seen. Because the fact is this, right now at 177, you have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Compare that to just the regular Ant-Man and the Wasp and look at what you see here. Starting on the first, starting on rather the second Tuesday, look at these comparable numbers, right? The second Monday, this film dropped below 2 million in Quantumania. You see a similar number for Eternals, but look at Ant-Man and the Wasp from 2018, 3.5 million, to the regular Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man from 2015, 3.6 million. And look which film is matching up pretty close. So 2.5 for Quantumania, 2.1 for Eternals, 1.5 to 1.6, 1.4 to 1.3, 3.1 to 3. So there are absolutely a lot of comparisons to be made. But again, caveat is this film made a lot more upfront than Eternals ever did. And it's easily going to pass up what Eternals made. It already has. And it's going to continue to make some more money too. However, the fact that it's already seeing Eternals level dailies puts a lot, a lot of what should be a lot of concern for all the people involved with this film financially. Because if this film's already seeing Eternals level and Eternals domestically was an incredible disappointment, even with the stronger start, you're still looking at a film that based off of these metrics is likely going to come in as the lowest grossing Ant-Man film Right, the lowest grow, grossing of the entire franchise. And then you add on to that the fact that it costs 60 to $70 million more, whether you're comparing it to Ant-Man and the Wasp or at the first Ant-Man film, when you adjust for inflation, when you're paying an extra 60 to $70 million and your film is making the least amount in franchise history and likely will only, at best, barely break even, maybe making a small amount of profit and that's a year that's only if you're using a somewhat conservative estimate if you're using other estimates like what Van Renegade uses and what RK Outpost uses right they put the break even for this film at 600 million so you're either looking at a pretty massive flop or a film that barely breaks even and either case is not good if you're paying an extra 60 to 70 million dollars for this movie if you're propping it up to be right the start of the next phase of the MCU and it's making this kind of money, which is barely nothing, it's just, ah, it's a joke. So Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania projected to see another 55 plus percent drop in its third week after a massive 70%. It's dropping like a light. It's losing easily to both Ant-Man and the Wasp and the original Ant-Man's films. And it's at the very least comparable and in the same ballpark in its daily numbers to Eternals, which had one of the worst box offices in MCU history. And, of course, that one was given the, oh, well, COVID excuse nonstop. What excuse do they have now? What excuse do they have at this point? And the answer, of course, is that they got nothing. There's nothing that they can say now at this point to make up for it. So anyway, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, not doing very well. Seeing a lot of problems. Abomination over on Aussie says, but are you adjusting for inflation? <laughs> uh, yeah, because I never did before. I never did. Before Before Avatar, I never adjusted for inflation. Those were my favorite comments uh, of the people going after me for my Avatar uh, videos. I'm so happy, by the way, that Avatar is no longer the top box office contender. 
Like, it's amazing. People are like, I, you know, why are you so obsessed with this? Like, I talked the box office. It's the number one film. It's going to come up. I kind of have to. But now, thank the Lord, it's been long enough to where now other films are taking the place. But, you know, last week I was able to finally at least say, you know what, I can now at this point look at the numbers officially say there's no way Avatar is catching the domestic box office for, for Top Gun Maverick. So kudos to Top Gun Maverick being the highest grossing domestic film of 2022. Avatar clearly gets the international crown, but that's not saying much. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, Forever Sci-Fi says, Doing fine. Just a lot of heavy snow that took out the power throughout the Detroit area and damaged a few trees on our property. Well, I hope that y'all are okay and stay warm. Snorapubus Cuber, how are humans and other quitters? What's going on? Abomination also said that Odyssey was having some hiccups. Well, I'm looking at my uh, OBS and it's saying that there have been some drop frames. So uh, that maybe could be it. It could be Odyssey. It could be that. I do not. I recently installed a one of those USB um, Bluetooth adapters. So I don't know if that's interrupting the signal. I haven't rebooted since I had that installed. Anyway. Master Gaming, do you think that Jonathan Majors is an overrated actor? At this point, I think that he's overrated in regards to his performance in what he's done. Like, the main recent things he's done. So, whether that be his role as Kang or as the friend of Apollo Creed in the, the most recent Creed film. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's left a lot to be desired. But I, I think that he is a good actor. And I think that people are, you know, I, I will come to defense of people when I think it's worth, you know, it's clear that he has training. It's clear that he is able to perform. So when people say, you know, he's a bad actor, it's like, okay, but what is your knowledge of acting for one? But then also, what is your definition of a bad actor? If a bad actor is just a character you don't like, that's not the acting. That's the writing. The writing is the character. The actor is the person that brings the character to life. And an actor is either going to have the capacity to do that or not. Whether or not the character is good or not, ultimately, mostly, is in the hands of the writer. Actors can only do so much to bring a character to life. Now, granted, you know, we think about Rocky. Stallone is the person that brought Rocky to life. But if Stallone didn't have the writing of that script, the direction, the, the, you know, all these other factors, but writing is ultimately the core of all these things. Slicer says, you going Daniel diet hardcore. Um, I don't know necessarily if it's falling into that again, I'm not going to go too much into the details of it, but let's just say, yeah, um, it's, it's more than I've ever done before. Forever sci-fi. Are you going crazy as, as is on his sugar withdrawal? No, again, the first couple of days, those were the toughest. But by about day three or four, things started to get better because I have, you know, there are some people who have gone a lot more strict than I have, who have gone a lot more extreme than I have. Um, and mine is, you know, mine's extreme for me. Like there's people who go extreme and are just like, again, it's extreme for anybody. Mine's more extreme just for me based on my typical diet. And in that way, it's not only just better for me, but it's also penitential because it it hurts. You know, there's times where I start to feel those hunger pangs. Uh, in the first couple of days, I was having that brain fog. You know, that's kind of gone away for the most part. But yeah. Snorpoopus. I never snack. Hi, it's potatoes. Okay, I can understand potato chips, but potatoes? Come on, man. Laura says, gotta feed the puppy, so I'll be listening. Behave, everyone. Will you listen to the modern major general? Harwick, did you see the DM that I sent you on Discord? Um, depends on when. Uh, again, my, my brain does not retain information always. Dan Crane says, my problem with snacking is every season of Lent is also Girl Scout cookie sales. Pray for me. The Thin Mints are the devil's food. I can't help myself. Hey, Thin Mints are good. Thin Mints are really, really good. I'm weird, though. I... My favorite Girl Scout cookie is the uh, shortbread. I don't know if anyone else is that, but shortbread with some chocolate milk. Oh, so good. But yeah, 
that is definitely tough. Um, what's what's even more tough though is when the rest of the world, even when you're in a Catholic environment, like if, even when you're in a Catholic school, when you think about the modern standards that the church requires, it's just so like minimum. It's so minimal that it's not even like that it becomes difficult to not grab the cookie that's on the cookie tray, to not grab the Oreo that was on the table the other day um, in the faculty lounge. But it becomes more of like, it's sad too, because it's like, oh man, like that's that's how lenient things have become. So that outside of Fridays of Lent, it seems that a lot of the people, and this is, I guess, a general point too, are just living the same life. And it used to be where, yes, it was a lot more rigorous, and for some it it, it would not have been possible, and that's why there were oftentimes exceptions for people with health conditions and people who are pregnant and people who are nursing, you know? So I think that, I think it'd be good, you know, as far as from the church's perspective, I think it would be really good for the church to, to bring back some of the more rigorous stuff, not just for, you know, punishment or relevancy, but because it's just good for people. It's good for people to think every day about what, what, what am I actually going to eat today? Should I be eating this item? What is in this item that I'm eating? And I'm not talking about like calories, but it's like there's so many other things that go into it. I don't know. Master Gaming says, you know what's bad when Cocaine Bear beat Ant-Man in the Wasp Mania on its second Wednesday? Oh, I mean, uh, Cocaine Bear has been doing a lot against Ant-Man and the Wasp even before then. Uh, let's see. Rest of the Cripple says, didn't it lose Cocaine Bear the last two days? Uh, would not surprise me. Would not surprise me at all. I haven't really been following it all that much. Um, it uh, no, it it beat it beat Cocaine Bear Friday. So it beat Cocaine Bear Friday. It lost on Thursday, but barely. Lost on Wednesday, but barely. It won on Tuesday, but barely. And it also won on Monday. So it's been kind of back and forth between those two films. I mean, for a Marvel film in its third week, that's obviously still not good. But it also is something that I think that, again, it's important for us to never fall into the trap of cherry-picking certain data points to support our points and to support our narratives. I'm not saying that anyone is doing this. and I'm not saying that I've never done that before albeit probably unconscious or unconsciously or subconsciously. But it is important for us to, again, always provide as full of the, as full context as we possibly can. It's the same reason why, you know, when talking about Avatar, people would say, you never talked about this, but this it's like, but the same rule does apply. I mean, I love Top Gun Maverick and I'm glad that Top Gun Maverick had the highest domestic gross of 2022. However, I'm not going to deny the fact that the average ticket price for that movie is probably a lot higher than what films in previous years are. And so, therefore, overall, less tickets were sold for that movie than some of the other films that have made probably a little bit of less money. That, that's just the reality. That's just a fact. But, yeah. Harwick says, I watched Smile last week. I left it up until the final ending, which ruined it for me. I loathe such endings and also feel tacked on by the studio to enable sequels. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I'm not a huge horror fan in general. So, you know, when I say I, I liked Smile, I liked it for what it was. But, I mean, it's not a film that I'm ever going to rewatch. Ikthu says, the best small budget superhero movie I've ever seen is Defender. Cried at the end, perfect in so many ways. I don't think I've seen that one. Nate says, but have you adjusted the earnings of, for Daylight Savings Time? Uh, I love it. Slice of Neons, I thought we all agreed Thunder Force on Netflix with Melissa McCarthy was the best low-budget superhero film. What gives? I don't think... Funny, but also it's sad because I don't think that film was low-budget. I think that film actually cost a way, way more than it should have. Scott McKenzie, what's going on? Jeremy Sikowski, Quantumania, you mean Floptumania? Forever Sci-Fi, do you account for disflation? which is the loss of value resulting from the fact that it is funded by Disney. Maybe they're paying using 
uh, Disney dollars. <laughs> now, now, Harwick says, Sylvester Stallone wrote the script to Rocky. Okay. Didn't say otherwise. Uh, DM, I'm referring to, is the one I sent you a week ago about Hobbit fan edit. Oh, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I, I still need to look into it. Snorpoopus, potato balls, spherical, potato pancake, shortbread. <laughs> oh, boy. Laura says, pups ate. Now I just have to make sure mom doesn't feed them again. Oh, no. Harwick says, do you know the lead actress at Smile is Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedwick's daughter? No. I did not know that. That's crazy. All right. Well, my voice is <laughs> barely uh, existing as it currently is. So I'm actually going to go ahead and end the stream a little bit early today. Um, thank you all again for, for being here. And seriously, uh, it's just amazing everything that we've been able to do, everything that's been going on. Um, and thank you for the tremendous amount of support. But I do need to rest my voice a bit because like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I want to make sure I have a voice for teaching this week and then also, of course, for the week ahead. So with that being said, thank you again for being here. Please make sure you vote in the Wednesday Raven Awards. Uh, and uh, again, you have about a week until that takes place. So with all that being said, smash the like button, light the fire button, Aussie, smash the rumble button. You guys are all amazing and beetle people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my Patreon locals and Subscribestar members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above, starting off with Father Luca Illick, Garrett Searles, Chris from the 80s, who you can check out over on YouTube by the same name, Hymir Iri Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, you can check out at his YouTube channel by the same name as well, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Eagle Rider, and Miss Martin Muses, which goes by the same name on YouTube. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on Patreon. And also for my subscribe star peeps, we got Matt317. Check out his Twitch channel by the same name. Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, J-Rod the Beer Guru, and ZK Man, who you can check out over at xthebounderies.co. And a special shout out to the R. And also, lastly, to my locals members, starting off with Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all very much for supporting me for the month of February. You guys are all fantastic. If you want your name shouted out, access to exclusive podcasts and exclusive giveaways, check out the top link in the video description below. Anyway, you guys are all great. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. And as always, God bless.